Hey, thank you for, for having me over. Um, I'm always delighted to be, to, to come to the mighty city of Wellington. Now, we had a great time this, last night with our party at the, at the Westpac Stadium. You know, I said the last time I, the last time I went and watched a live game in a big stadium was when you can still run onto the field at the end of the game. You know, that was a long, long time ago. And so just being in a stadium like that and sort of the atmosphere in that place is just amazing. And such is the atmosphere that we could bring into a place like this. You know, where, where yeah, the, the, the rugby was great and the Canes did really well. But uh, for me, it was just overwhelming to be in an atmosphere where just, you know, I was shouting, people were shouting as if there was no abandon, with complete abandonment. And the thing is, like, why do people do that in such, because there's such an amazing atmosphere that where you know, people just get to do things that are, they don't normally do. It's so amazing that we have the opportunity to do such things in a place like this, where we can, we can come and build a great atmosphere where people will come in out of the, like for me, come in from another country and enjoy that and, and, and with, with complete abandonment, just be someone that, no, just be and, and let loose of everything that's, you know, that at times we can sit back and say, oh, well, I don't want to do that. But it's so great to be here and so great to be, to be in a place where you could do that. I bring greetings from um, Equipus Church in Tonga. Um, yeah, they've got church going on right now and, um, and uh, we've got Pastor Mark over, so, it's, so they're having a great time. Um, so just a few reports from what's happening in Tonga at the moment. So we've, uh, so we've, we've we managed to secure some property, and um, and I was just sharing the guys that we we've got, we've got to go and ask them for some more. <laughs> They're giving us about six acres, but we want uh, little parts that were a bit more on higher ground. And I'm thinking to myself, in the natural, I gotta be kidding because we're asking for property. We don't have any money, but they they've offered us about six acres at, at a very probably at a very, whatever the rate would be, like 100 bucks a year sort of lease sort of thing. Um, and here we are, we want to go back and ask for some more. And I said, well, we can't, I mean, I guess we believe in a God that of so much more that we are able to, to ask for the impossible. And so, um, so that's going really well. The church is, continues to, to be growing and seeing people coming to, to know Jesus, but also seeing a lot of, 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 of um of the miraculous um, power of God working in people's lives. And, and we sat back and um, just before we, before shout, and I, we had vision night, and I realized I listed all the things that we've seen since we've been there. So coming August, that's our ninth year in, in, in Tonga. And, um, and just looking at so we've seen, we've seen a blind person see, and that's and I think, man, because we can so so much so forget about it. We've seen a blind person who was completely blind in one eye. He wasn't blind. Then he went and did something stupid and was blind. And the doctor said that he had to, he may have to remove his eye because it's going to affect his other eye. And so he asked. So we decided that we're just going to pray for him for a month. And after the month was gone, he was quite disappointed because he still couldn't see. So he went home and he went had a sleep. He woke up the next morning and he could see, totally see. And I remember there was one shout that Pastor Sam used um, used his testimony at shout 
because he had, they moved to Australia and they, were, they came back for shout. So we've seen that. We've seen, um, uh, we've seen people being healed of skin diseases. We've, seen, we've had two people that have come in with, um, with uh, being gluten, in, what, gluten tolerant or intolerant or whatever that means. And I don't know what that means. Um, but, I, but they come in and say, hey, man, we're gluten intolerant. Or, and I go, well, what does that mean? We can't eat flour. We can't eat this. Says, well, we've got to ask God to heal you because you're not, not going to cope here in Tonga. <laughs> yeah? And so uh, these two people who were gluten intolerant have testified now that they eat anything. I said, well, God, you've got to, you've got to move in people's lives because you, we, can't, we can't cope with whatever that is. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and so we have that. We have, I mean, see many relationships being restored of where uh, marriages that had, there was no reason for it to last. I mean, in the natural, there's no reason except that God has moved and uh, miraculously uh, seen that. We've seen kids that have come into the school who were dumb, that, I mean, dumb, not, not uh, but uh, can't talk. No, we've had three, three of those kids who now can talk. Um, and not that we, we haven't prayed. I mean, it's just the atmosphere. I'm talking about this whole atmosphere thing. You know, and the, the, these three kids are now speaking. And we've got kids that have come in that are ADHD. And, or, and, and they, as a result, they've, they've, they've progressed. And people, their parents cannot believe where the, the progress that they've made. Um, not only that, but they're also the dyslexic um, young people that have come in. And the same thing where we've seen them begin to be, to see things progress uh, that, that not normally that they would see anywhere else. So, and we could forget about those things, but in an atmosphere like this, those things could happen. You know, we're able to, to build an atmosphere, we're able to, to, to build an environment, we're able to be part of this environment that, that releases those things in, in, into, into our realities. I was just thinking about um, this, um, coming out here and and, and, and one of the, the words that God laid on my heart was that, Wellington, you've got to stay true to who you are. And, um, and staying true to who you are is closely linked to your leadership. It's closely linked to your senior pastor. It's closely linked into who they are. And I was just thinking, man, I, I mean, you know, I know Pastor Jordan's not here, but here, uh, Pastor Christie's here. And the, and the great thing is that we've got to, I, I really sense God says, you know, I know, I mean, we go way back with Pastor Jordan and, and Pastor Chrissy that Jordan's a bit crazy, yeah? He's out there. He's, he's one of those out there guys, you know? And I'm always, I'm, I'm always blown away by the things, by his, what he thinks about and the things that he talks about. But we've got to be secure in that and know how we can interpret what God wants to do through that. And... Um, and I believe that in that, you're going to see the demonstration of his power when you create an environment for that, to, to interpret that into your, into your reality, into what happened. I don't know what that looks like, I don't, I, but I'm just, I'm just bringing up what I believe God is saying, is that you've got to stay true to who you are. Because we could be this, but we try to be this. And God says, come on, you've got to stay true to that, to, to, and, and to, to just being out there, just doing out of there things. Because it's going to release power, not just in your individual world, but it's going to release power into the life of the church. 
Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, it says, it talks about having a form of godliness, but denying the power. There are people that would have a form of godliness, but denies the power. And in 2 Timothy verse, in 2 Timothy verse chapter 3, it, that's where it talks about the, the, the signs of the, of the last days. We will have a form of godliness, but no power. We'll have a lot of words to say, but no power. We'll be so relevant, we'll be very relevant, but no power. We, could, we, will, we, could be, we will be quite contemporary, but no power. We can have the big crowds, but no power. But God wants to bring the power back into what, it, into what he's called his body, into the life of the church that he's called in order to bring power into our worlds. And so the question that we ask ourselves is, where does this power come from? How can we tap into this power? How can we tap into this power? And I, and I go back to, to when I started out and started out, I had no, by the way, I had no, I had no desire whatsoever to be a minute pastor. I sort of walked into it, you know, as you do. And, um, and as you walked into it knowing nothing, you say, God, you got to do something. I don't know anything. I don't know jack about any of this. And so, and so it takes me because one of the scriptures that I read, that, that, that I laid hold of in my heart was 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, where Paul begins to talk about how he came to the, to the people of, of, of Corinth. And he says in chapter 1, verse, or chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. But who knows that Paul was quite eloquent. Who knows that Paul was quite wise. He had, he had to be, who knows Paul was quite persuasive because he had to be if he was to do what he was going to do. He was the one, he would, he would write, he would go to the, to, the, to the high priest and he would convince them that he needs to do away with the, Christ, the so-called Christians. And so they would write him a letter, and then he would go, and he would start killing them wherever he found them, or he persecuted So here Paul says, hey, I didn't come to you with this eloquence. I didn't come to you with this superior wisdom, although I had all of these things. You know, I mean, essentially, he's talking about something that he had. He would be, Paul would have been quite eloquent if he was to convince anyone of anything. And Paul would have talked about that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. There was no one that he knows everything, the ins and outs of being, of being a Pharisee, the ins and outs of being of the law. But then verse 2 says, But I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He made a decision. I resolved that I know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified except who Jesus is and what he's done. Verse 3, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. At the same time, he was quite fearful. At the same time, he wasn't quite sure what he was doing. At the same time, here's Paul talks about, okay, I'm all of this, but I'm also all of this. Number 4, uh, verse, 
verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not be rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. This gives us an insight into where that power lies. That if you and I will continue to release and bring power into our world, this gives us an insight. Number one is that it gives us an insight. Where, is, where could we find this power? It's in who I am. It's in who I am. As I, have, as I have pointed out, Paul was eloquent. Paul was wise. Paul was persuasive. Paul was weak. Paul was fearful. Paul, Paul was always trembling. Unsure. Why would we tremble? Maybe because we were fearful. Maybe we were unsure of what we're doing. But Paul was all of this. But, it says, but I'm saying, where does this power lie in who you and I are? We have been entrusted with so much power, but we need to know how to tap into it. In Matthew 5, 13 and 14, Jesus says, hey man, you're the, you're the salt. Hey you guys, you're the light. Jesus didn't say, refer to himself, he referred to the people. He referred to, to you, he's referring to you and I. You're the salt and you're the light. Matthew 10, verse 1, he, he says to his disciples, Now I want you to go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and drive out demons. I want you to do it. Where's, where is this power? Yeah, I mean, yeah, ob obviously. Our instant thought is, go to Jesus, and that is true. But he has given you and I power in who you and I are. In Judges chapter 6, verse 14, an angel of the Lord appears to... to um, Appears to, what's his name? Gideon. Appears to Gideon. He says, Gideon, I want you to go in the strength that you have and overcome. Man, I'm reading into this with a, with a mindset that everything is, everything is like, oh, no, it's got to be God. No, I've got I've to empty myself of myself and have God fill me over to, to overbring it, which is, which is true to a sense. But, God, but then when I read that and I'm going, God, but why are you telling him to go in the strength that he has? I used to be a teacher. Maybe I still am. But I used to be a teacher in a proper classroom. And when I came to the Lord, I, I said, God, man, I just want to be used by you. Maybe I need to go and do something else. And one of the things that God spoke to me was that just be who you are. Just go and be used by what I've placed in your life. You're a teacher. Go and be a teacher. Go and release the power and be content in who you are. I have a, and so in, in that we saw a, we started, a, we started sort of a, a little group of kids that came to the Lord, Christian group. And, um, and there, were, there were actually quite a few of them that started coming and getting saved and coming into, the, into church. But then we had to go into the next phase because there were a lot of them who got, who got touched by God and said, Man, I, I want to just leave school. I want to go to Bible college. I want to just live for God. I want to do this for God. And here I was, and some of them were actually very good players. Some of them 
as, as young. Some of them even got scholarships, a full paid scholarship to go and study at university. But I said, oh, no, I, don't, I just want to give my life to God. And my, I said to them, go and study. Go and pursue your rugby career. I mean, one of those, one of those, one of those girls ended up playing for, 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 for New Zealand. I think she's retired, but she still plays for the Auckland rugby. And I'll go, go and play for the, go and pursue these gifts that God, go and pursue your studies. And now she's a teacher back in the school that we were at. And she said, go and pursue those because you're going to allow God to use what he's entrusted to you. There was a young, there's a young man in the life of the Equipus Church, Auckland. And I can remember when he was, when he was a, probably intermediate, came through high school. And he loves God with all of his heart. He said, man, I just, I just want to, I don't know about this rugby. I don't know about this playing rugby or whatever. And I said, do you, know, do you know you, the window that you have in order to play? It's so small. You could either use that and use the influence that you have because no one can touch, no one can reach out to the people in that world but you. I can't reach them. Pastor Sam can't reach them, but you can. And so as a result, now he's 21, and now he has, he has, over, he has about half of his, of his rugby team, and rugby team coming into church, getting saved in their e-groups, in the e-groups, and their whole, their whole vision now is that we want to turn our club around. We want to turn our club around. And, if, and, and the turn, well, they've had the, what, fourth golden point? They finally won a golden point, got four golden points in, the, in yesterday's game. And you've got these big, these, these celebrity rugby players because one kid just said, oh, yeah, I, I just want to use my, what can I use in order to bring God into our world? You know, one of the things that God spoke to me through the life when I was over at Shout was that he, he says, Dale, I want you to build a kingdom. I want, I'm going to use you to build a kingdom church, but I want you to express it through a, a tongue and vessel. I go, oh, yeah, that's embarrassing at times. And he says, but that's who you are. That's what I've given you. That's what I've, I've birthed you into a tongue, into, in, into a tongue and nation. Okay, what do we do as Tongans? Uh, we all wear red. We all, we all stop traffic when, when the World Cup's on. And that's something that we do. That's just who we are. We're just crazy about it. We celebrate like there's no tomorrow. And we celebrate with, with no, whatever it is, we celebrate with, no, with complete abandonment. And God says, that's what I want to use. Because that's who you are. That's who the church is at. That's who the church is. And so here I am, I'm going, God, well, I have to be secure in who I am as an individual, but I also got to be secure in who I am as a Tongan. Because I know that even here in a nation like this, Pacific Islands, I was talking to these guys earlier this morning and said, well, it's only a generation ago that there was hardly any Pacific Islands or Polynesians playing rugby, representative rugby in any form. 
A generation later, our children's ch- our, our children are now they're. You see every rugby team with about more, about half or even more than that. And you've got a young generation that are growing up and, and just securing who they are and where they're from and their parents. Because for us, as first generations coming, growing up in New Zealand, we were quite embarrassed of who we were. We were quite embarrassed of going to school for, with lunch and getting out of our bags the corned beef. You know, yeah, literally, that's what we we get out of the corned beef and we'll open it and we'll eat it. And then don't get the balangi see us because it's embarrassing. But we'll sit around and we'll eat and we'll enjoy it because that's who we were. But here God was saying, and was challenging me, and says, I mean, that's who I've called you to be because my power is in that. And I want to, when you're secure in that, secure what God has called me into, secure in what God has given me and how he has gifted me, then I can release something into you. And I can release something through you. You know, I used to pray, God, I don't, none of me and all of you. And God says, no, I want all of you. I want all of you and I'm going to put all of me into you so that I'm going to use you in order to bring you, me, into your world. But I want all of you. Paul said, I have decided I have resolved to know nothing. Although this is all I accept, I accept who I am. I recognize who I am. But that's not what I put my faith and my trust in. I have resolved to know nothing. I've resolved to relinquish all. I've resolved to lay it all down. I've resolved to let God use my strengths and my weaknesses to display his power. Where's his power? In who you are and who I am and what we've decided to do with it. If we want to release the power of what God wants to do in us and through us, we've got to come to a place, I'm secure in who I am. But then I've also decided that I'm going to lay that aside. I'm going to lay it down, God, so that you may come, so that you may release that. Number two is that where is this power? It's in who Jesus is and what he has done. It's in who Jesus is and what he has done. This power is in me. This power is what I decide to do with who he has called me to be. But the fact is, it's not entirely that. It's in who Jesus is and what he has done. He's the son of God. He died on the cross. He rose again. And, he's, and, he, sits on the right, and he sits on the right hand of the Father. And he intercedes on our behalf. That's the Jesus where this power is. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, I want you to go to, the, to a house and there's going to be some donkeys um, uh, tied, tied, tied there. I want you to un- untie those donkeys and I want you to bring them to me because I want to use them. And if they ask you, what do you, what do you need that for? He says, just tell them the Lord needs it. Well, needs them. The Lord needs them. And so um, the disciples go and they bring the donkeys back and it says that Jesus uses the donkey to ride into Jerusalem. And he rides into Jerusalem and all these people, wow, they came out with the palm trees and they were laying it down. They took their jackets off. They said they, they took their jackets off. And they were... 
He's laid them down. It says that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And all the people were celebrating and being. And they took their garments off. They took the mantles that was off their, on their lives. And they laid it down for Jesus to ride in on. I have decided to allow all who Jesus is and all that he has done ride in on who I am. These coats represent the mantles over your lives, over our lives. These coats represent, they talk about the mantle, what's on our lives. Elisha and Elijah talked about the mantle or the coat that was on them. It represented the, the anointing. It represented what God called them into. And here all these people took of all that God has gifted them and God has given them. And, and they took it off in a representation of that and laid it down for Jesus to walk in on. You know when we decide to allow who, all, who Jesus is and all he has done to ride on on who we are. There's power that's going to be released. Not only is it going to be powerful, but it's also going to be contagious. Because not only one person did it, the whole, a lot of whole crowd did it. You know, when you're hungry, when you're on fire for Jesus, and you allow Jesus to ride in on you, into your workplace, into your schools, it gets contagious. Other people will want to do the same. Why are you giving your life solely unto him? Why are you giving all of who you are to this Jesus? Why are you giving all of who you are unto this church thing? Why are you doing that? Why? A lot of the time we don't even have to say anything because Jesus is the son of God and he died for me and he's forgiven me and he's given me purpose and he's given me vision for all that I could possibly want and do in life. What would these young sports players do? Why are you always so positive? You've been injured for a large period of your, your career, but why are you still positive? Because of who Jesus is in my life and what he's done for me. He died. He shed his blood. He rose again. And he's continued to give me hope and purpose and vision for my future. And why do people, do you have a set time to be in Tonga? Do, when, when, are you going to be here three years, four years? I said, no. I'm here for good. Unless Jesus says otherwise. But how can you do that? How can you leave? How can you leave New Zealand and all that and come into why? Because of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. And he's continued to give me hope and vision. Regardless when things go hard, regardless when people walk away from you, regardless when people say nasty things about you, regardless of all those things, he's continued to give me hope that there is hope for this nation. And now that's power. 
in who I am and who rides in on me and what I've decided. I used to work for CLS and I used to recruit a lot of workers for CLS. I, are you familiar with CLS, Creative Learning Schemes? And how I used to recruit them, I said, you, you want a job? Yeah, yeah, I want a job. I says, do you want a job that hardly pays you anything? Then they wouldn't say anything. They'll just keep quiet. You want a job that hardly pays you anything, number one. Do you want a job with the kids where you're going to be working with kids that would swear at you every day? Number two, do you want a job that you have to go and pick them up and drop them off every day, Monday to Friday? Do you want a job that you're not going to be, you may not be uh, well rewarded or whatever it is and congratulate for what you do? Do you want a job like that? And most of the time, most people say, yep, I want that job. I want a job like that. Why? Because it gets contagious. When we allow Jesus to ride in, you know what you're willing to leave behind because of what Jesus has done in your life, what you're willing to talk about in your world because of who Jesus and what he's done in your life? It's contagious. Because why? Because I had left a secular job. I had, I had left a full-time job that had everything going for me. But I said, man, I've thrown my life into this. Why? Because of who you are, Jesus, and what you've done for me. Last one. It's in his Holy Spirit. It's in who you and I are. It's in what, it's who Jesus is and what he's done in us and through us, in, in us and for us. It's in his Holy Spirit. I'm just going to rattle off a few scriptures here that Luke, chapter, Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, I'm going to clothe you with power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. The letter of the law killed. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. When the Holy Spirit's upon you, when you allow the Holy Spirit, what you speak brings life. The encouraging words that you speak brings life. What you say to others, there is life. Romans 8, chapter 8, 11. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. It's alive in you. The same spirit. X1, 8. You'll be empowered. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. So you'll be empowered to lay your lives down. You know that the translation of being witnesses is actually to be martyrs. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, upon us, we're empowered to lay our lives down. Where does that power come from? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we lay our lives down. John 14, 12. Jesus says, greater things than these shall you do. He's, he's, he's given you and I access to a power beyond our imagination. But we need to tap into it. Because when the Holy Spirit is upon us, 
signs and wonders and the miraculous flows naturally. Flows. In an atmosphere like this, in a gathering of people just like this, you can have people that will come in and healing and signs and wonders just happens naturally. We have a school where we, we have just over 250 kids from a Monday to a Friday. Do we purposely go, God, you got to signs and wonders. No, no, we just say, God, we welcome you into this place. And so all these things that I've t- spoke about in the beginning, it just happens and we sometimes we miss it. Because it's just the natural occurrence of that atmosphere. When kids go home and they pray for their parents, because it's natural, that's natural what we do at school. Because Christianity and what we believe in for the impossible, and we're sons and daughters of the Most High God, we're clothed with power, Holy Spirit. It's natural. That's what the kid, that's what we teach the kids. And so when they go home, kids being kids, they go home and they see their dad on, in bed with gout, can't stand for the whole week. Says, I, can I pray for you? And goes and lays hands on them and starts to pray and see these people. And say, where did they learn all this? And they come to school and say, where did they learn this? And I said, that's what we teach them. Because it's normal. We're normalizing Christianity. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is not something out there. It's something that He's given you and I to tap into. No, but when we are secure in who we are, when we're secure in what He has given us, I just say, God, I give you my all because you've given your all. You know, there was a song that I was, I'm not going to try and sing it. <laughs> John, John Legend. The pre-chorus goes, my head's underwater and I'm breathing fine. You're crazy and I'm out of my mind. You know, when we're, when we step out in the things of God, we're just reaching out and say, God, I'm in too deep. I need you. It's just like I'm out of control. I'm, I'm crazy. And people look at me and I'm out of my mind. But I'm still alive. You know, the things that you're, I believe, I really sense this, Chrissy, for you and Jordan. When you step out in these crazy endeavors and you're taking your people out on a limb and you go, man, where, where can we, what can we hold on to? There's nothing to hold on to but God. Your feet's not touching the, the bottom and you're swimming and everyone says you're crazy and you're out of your mind. But then John Legend goes, this is John Legend. Because all of me loves all of you. It's, it's really, really funny. Yeah? 
loves your curves and all your edges and all your perfect imperfections. I said, whoa! This, I've been worshipping to this song. I said, God, I give you all of me. You created me. All the things that I think that are imperfect, they're perfect in your eyes. And you created it for a purpose. And you love it. And you want to use it. And you don't want to empty me out of it. Out of it, But you want to come and use and ride in on that into my world. Give your all to me. I'll give my all to you. You're my end and my beginning. Even when I'm even when I lose, I'm winning. Man, this guy may as well have written some worship songs. Because I give all of you, because I give all, I give you all, all of me, and you give me all, all of you. God wants all of you because he's given all of him. God wants to use all of you. Google this morning. I believe that's a word from God. He's happy with you. Exactly, just as exactly as as you are. And this morning, as you give that to Him, He says, "Man, I'm going to use it." God said, "I'm going to use it." If you, it's going to be like this, and you're going to watch people that will also give themselves as you give yourselves. They will lay down their mantles. So that I could ride into their world. So that I could ride into their families, into their relationships. Maybe this morning you got some things that you think are imperfections. But God would say, love those perfect imperfections and I want to I want you to embrace that I want you to be secure in that because I want to use that as use that as much as your strengths as much as your eloquence as much as all that your fears and your tremblings I want to use that too The power is released when we make a decision. God, my trust is not in all of those things, but it's in who you are and what you've done. And that's where I lay it down. How about you? I just want to finish with that. How about we just close your eyes? You may want to stand. Just close your eyes. What are we laying down? We're laying down not something that we're afraid of, not something that we're embarrassed of. We're just laying down what we believe. This is God. This is strength. This is what I'm fearful of. This is my weakness. But I lay it down. I give you all of me because you've given me all of you. And that's you. Just stand. And we'll just finish with that. I'm just going to ask these guys just for a song and just allow us to respond to what God is saying in this place. Allow ourselves to respond. God, we thank you that you are here. 
as we give all of who we are. God, because you've given all of who you are, the heartbeat of heaven you gave, the treasured things of heaven you've given. God, this morning we just stand before you and we just lay it down. We can, we, we're secure and we thank you for the gifts and the talents. We thank you for the relationships. We thank you for the for all the things that you have in, you have given and bestowed upon our lives. But that's not where our trust is, and that's not where our faith is, it's in you. And as we give ourselves to you, you would ride into our world. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 